This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Grover Norquist is a prominent conservative anti-tax activist and supporter of President Trump. As founder and president of the Americans for Tax Reform, he has led the conservatives' push for curtailing government spending and reducing the burden of tax on businesses and homeowners. He joined the Washington Post to talk about the Republican National Convention and the issues he thinks will drive the election this fall. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Karen Tumulty. I'm a columnist here at the Washington Post, and I write about politics. And thank you for joining us this afternoon and our guest and our, for our discussion with Grover Norquist, who is the president of Americans for Tax Reform and a, a very influential conservative voice here in Washington. So good afternoon, Grover. Hi, Karen. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So tell me, how do you think that first night of the convention went? I think it went well. They're starting to make the case on policies. Uh, the Democrats are trying to say vote against Trump and not focus sufficient, not, not trying to avoid focusing on what Trump has accomplished or what uh, Biden would do. Uh, I run Americans for Tax Reform. We ask people to make a commitment not to raise taxes, but to reform government instead of raising taxes. Uh, Biden's entire campaign is raising taxes in order not to reform any of the existing programs that work or don't work. Uh, You've seen he wants to abolish the entire uh, Republican tax cut of uh, 2017, and uh, Senator Harris has said the same thing. That would do a number of things. For the median income family of four, would cost them $2,000 a month, a year, $2,000 a year in higher taxes. Median income single parent with one child cost them $1,300 a year, each year into the future. This is a very expensive. Hmm? What do you mean by median income? Median. It's the middle, middle income. But I mean, not, give, give not the some... average, but the median income. It's seventy thousand okay. for a family of four and about forty thousand dollars for a single okay. uh, parent. Uh, but it's the dead center middle, which belies the argument that sometimes Biden says that he would never raise taxes on people who earned uh, less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. Remember, Biden and Obama said that in two thousand eight. And they proceeded to raise taxes on many people who earned uh, less than uh, $250,000 a year. Uh, Their tax, their penalty, if you didn't buy Obamacare, which hit 5 million Americans, were hit by that penalty, about $700 per person. uh, And that uh, two-thirds, I'm sorry, three-quarters of the people who paid that tax made less than $50,000 a year. So that was a tax directly aimed at middle and lower income people, the kind of tax that Biden said he would never tolerate and that Obama said they wouldn't tolerate. So we're now looking at the new promise by uh, Biden that he won't tax anybody who earns uh, less than uh, 400,000, although uh, he wants to get rid of the uh, tax cut that the Republicans put in, which particularly helped middle income people. Again, the center uh, family of four will cost two thousand dollars a year and for a single parent one child uh thirteen hundred dollars a year uh, add so, to that so, looking at pardon what do you think though biden has some other ideas for tax credits for instance for child care 
for energy efficiency measures. What do you think of those? Well, I think the key thing to look at is the big picture. He said he's going to raise the capital gains tax on every single American, his words, not just rich people. Ask yourself if you've ever had a capital gain, sold a house, anything like that uh, in the United States uh, in your life. Uh, and whether you might in the future or own a stock in your, your 401k or IRA, uh, he wants to take that to 40%, which is twice the capital gains tax in communist China. It takes you back to Jimmy Carter, 1977, when the Democrats forced him to cut the capital gains tax in half because of how bad it was uh, for the economy. And on the corporate income tax, uh, Biden has said he wants to get rid of the Republican tax cut. That would take the 21% corporate income tax that people pay now and take it up to 35%. That is higher than communist China, higher than Germany, higher than any of our European competitors. During Obama's eight years, Biden's eight years, we saw American companies leave the United States because our corporate tax was so much higher than other countries. People actually had companies leave, certainly investment fled, and we lost jobs. Biden wants to go do, back to that do period. Think, do you think the president is talking enough about these issues as opposed to, you know, that Biden is going to get rid of the suburbs or, you know, there's violence in the streets. I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of scare talk going on as well. Do you think that the it, that that Trump ought to be framing his election message differently? Well, there are two things. There's what the White House says and what the president says. And they are they are focused on the tax issue. If you see the material the campaign puts out, if you see the president's statements, the establishment press can choose to, to go after any shiny thing they want to. Uh, but when we look at the ads between now and Election Day, I think you'll see that the American people will be focused on the actual damage that will be done to them. Uh, the, if you one second, 100 million Americans have 401ks, IRAs, in, uh, savings accounts that uh, are defined benefit. And if you had $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 in your 401k or IRA, and 80 million households have one or more of those, uh, you're looking at, during the Trump re recovery, your life savings went up 50%. I listen to the president's statements. I, I follow him on Twitter. I do not hear him talking about these issues all that much. I hear a lot of the China virus. I hear a lot of hoaxes. I hear a lot of nicknames. I, but I don't. I really this, don't hear him drawing these distinctions that you're talking right. about. Well, if you watch the the discussion last night, people brought this up. If you look at all the material put out by the campaign, you'll see it. And if you watch the ads, uh, but you're quite right that CNN is allowed to choose any shiny thing they want to to talk about. They do not talk about the growth in the economy. They do not talk about how the stock market is rebounded. Uh, when the stock market was hit by COVID, it never went as low as it was on the election day when Obama and Biden were in charge of the economy. Their policies were worse for America than COVID. We're now back to the higher uh, value of the stock market and investments. So people, this is 50% of your life savings. I mean, you can talk all you want about left-wing criticisms of the president or tweeting or something. You go to the American people and say, how much do you have in your life savings, your 401k, your IRA? 
And I know that Biden thinks that only 1% of Americans evidently have that when he talks about raising taxes and only hurting 1%. When you damage the value of the American economy, you take people's life savings down, as we've seen, it went up 50% when with the tax cuts, it'll go back down again when you take well, Gregor, those away. So yeah. where, do you think the, where do you think the race stands right now? Right now, the, the president- Behind in the right, national polls and in most of the swing state polls too. A couple of things. One, uh, we've now had two months of the, the virus going down in terms of deaths and people getting it. We'll have more going forward. We've seen half of the jobs lost to COVID come back, watch the October, August numbers. Those should do as well. I think it, we're looking at an election in a few months. Uh, the president will be fine and for a couple of reasons. One is there will be what you're saying. You don't think there's been enough focus. I would agree there should be more focus. When you say to 100 million Americans, your life savings, however much that is, will be cut in half with Biden's policies. And we know that because we saw them go up when we moved away from Biden's policies. But Biden's policies are worse than that. He and his uh, and, and Senator Harris both support a carbon tax. That's an energy tax. That's a gasoline tax, not just on the gasoline for your car, but how you heat your house or cool your house uh, during, during winter and summer. We're looking at doubling the capital gains tax, not for the rich, but for every single American, to quote Grover, uh, you the know, president. You, Grover, you and I have Hmm? Grover, you and I have known each other a long time before either of us was in Washington, in fact. And I do know that really what drew you into politics, you were you were helping run the the organization organizing young people for Ronald Reagan in the 1980 election uh, in the Northeast. And there is a lot of things that this administration has done that you like tax cuts, regulatory rollbacks, but there are other things like, you know, restrictive trade policies. Um, you know, it's been a conservative principle that the federal government ought to defer to state and local government. Um, how do you believe that, that Donald Trump has transformed what it means to be a conservative? No, absolutely not. I mean, his greatest successes are where he follows Ronald Reagan's path of lower taxes and less regulation. Uh, and when you talk about younger people, uh, the gig economy, the sharing economy, independent contractors, 13 million Americans work in the independent contractor business. People know about Uber and Lyft, but other people who write for several magazines or several newspapers, all of them found their job made illegal by the Democrats in California when they passed a law called Assembly Bill 5 now, there's a measure to repeal most of that that is on the ballot this fall in November, and it should pass. We should uh, repeal the efforts to kill all independent contracted jobs in California. The scary thing is that Biden and Harris both endorsed repeatedly that bill to kill independent contractors. 13 million plus Americans are independent contractors, many of them young people who like the freedom of working for many different companies or many different people or structures rather than having a boss. What Biden well, and Harris say, one second, this is very important and answers your question about young people. The idea that everyone should have a boss and so you should be forced to join a union. Remember the Democrat legislation which passed the House and which Biden and Harris endorsed 
uh, repeals, abolishes the right to work in 27 states. If you go to a company, they can make you join a union. They can make you pay union dues. You have no choice. And Biden has said he wants to give the unions that power over your life and your income. I don't think a lot of young people think that's a very good idea or old people for that matter. So it's not just a question of how much by, uh, the President Trump has moved things in the right direction. Biden is going to go back to a period before 1948 uh, when people didn't have the right to say yes or no to unions, uh, but you could be forced to join a union. That ended uh, uh, with federal legislation, which has been protected by Republicans and Democrats ever since. But Biden's way to the left of anybody who's run for president of the United States on making you have a boss. I don't think people necessarily want to have a boss. Another another issue is immigration. Um, you, for many, many years, were a, a staunch advocate for actually bringing more immigrants into this country. What do you think of the, the Trump administration policies on that? Well, I am a strong advocate of more immigration, both for high-end immigration, H-1B visas, uh, and for less skilled workers as well. A strong economy needs both. Uh, and I think it's very interesting because Trump said, just as we were coming before the COVID, uh, he spoke to a conservative group and he said, you know, we have a problem. We have too few workers in the United States because he had gotten the economy so strong, wages coming up, and people who had given up looking for work, one of the reasons unemployment went down a little bit under Obama. And I mean, the painful thing to remember about the Obama-Biden years was that was the weakest recovery since World War II that this country has ever had. Uh, much weaker than Reagan's, but even weaker than the others uh, as well. And as a result, people were very grumpy. And when the economy does poorly, as it did under Obama and Biden's policies, they lash out sometimes at immigrants, sometimes at trade. Uh, and when the president brought that level of growth forward, you started to see farmers and high tech people and other industries going, we need more people, which is the door to a more open immigration policy. So, but as the president said, he's the president of everybody in the United States. And I think that more immigrants help everyone in the United States. But that's obvious when you have Trump growth. And it's not at all obvious when you have Biden, Obama, lack of growth. So you think that in a second term, if if Trump could get the economy sort of back on its feet, that he might drop his proposals to have more restrictive immigration quotas and that he might liberalize trade again? Or would we still see these, these trade wars? I think you see two things. The trade war with China was, uh, it was a strategic question and a negotiating uh, uh, effort to get China to stop stealing our intellectual property. Um, we were making some progress. We came close, but it didn't work. Now China's trying to ride it out and hope to get somebody other than the president there. Uh, if they have to face another four years of Trump, I think you'll see a good agreement, better than we have. You know, nothing's perfect. We don't have a, we don't have everything we want with Japan, and they're an ally. Uh, but a uh, progress uh, with China on their stop stealing our intellectual property uh, and treating our exports more fairly. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we could get a better deal there. And good, that gets you to uh, wider and more open trade. If we can return to the president's policies on growth and not go backwards as Biden wants to, not only will the president change his mind, the Republican House and Senate are largely uh, recognize the importance of more immigration in farming, 
uh, in the whole high tech industry as well. Uh, these are very, very important uh, issues. But I, you know, on the economic issue, the other big one, of course, is that Biden and Harris are critics of charter schools and federal funding of charter schools. And the president is a strong advocate. There are three million Americans, kids, students in charter schools, a million hoping to get into them. Uh, and the Democrats have changed their mind and to start, started to attack charter schools instead of recognizing that they allow excellence and more competition. I live in D.C. The teachers are making it very hard for charter schools. Does it bother you that this is the first convention in memory that doesn't have a platform, that um, all of these things that you're talking about weren't spelled out in a statement of principles, this is what the party stands for? I mean, they, they passed out a one-page document that said, basically, our agenda is what whatever Trump's agenda is. Well, it doesn't for the following reason, and that is we've seen the, where the president is on taxes, on spending, on judges that take property rights seriously and take the Constitution seriously and uh, his uh, leadership. I, I work uh, for the last 20 to 30 years on criminal justice reform. We got nothing under Obama and we actually made progress under Trump. Not everything I'd like, but real progress in the right direction. And across the states, the Republican red states did criminal justice first. Now the blue states are kind of thinking about it in some uh, cases, but some real progress there. I'm very, very happy uh, at the progress there. The Republican Party's position on these issues by their votes and what they've done is clearer than where you might simply have a, a platform. Uh, I am, I've been to platform meetings and it's like 30 people in a room and a bunch of lobbyists trying to stick stuff in. Uh, I'm much more interested in what actually uh, people do with the legislation uh, that they put forward. And just for the record, the, what they did actually at this convention was they re-upped the 2016 platform. So all of the issues uh, are right there to be spelled out uh, on 2016. The 2016 platform was fine. It was a strong uh, statement of support for limited government, uh, for serious judges, uh, and all of the issues that people are dealing with now, um, we, are, we were dealing with in 2016, including the Democrats' plans to raise all sorts of taxes and to give the labor unions power over independent contractors and other people who might prefer to work independently. So we then get rid of a platform, they adopted the 2016 platform. Well, so for the foreseeable future, I don't think anybody thinks there's much of a chance that the House is gonna flip. And in fact, there's a reasonable chance that the Senate might flip this fall. Um, what do you think about Trump's use of executive power, especially if, he's being stymied by Congress. One of the things that we have heard or that has been reported they are discussing is trying to figure out some way to implement tax cuts without having to go through Congress. What do you think about that idea? Well, there are a couple of things. I'm old enough to remember when Richard Nixon was King Richard Nixon because he was being president and the Democrats and the press didn't like him. Uh, whereas Kennedy yeah, and Johnson- Yeah, I'm old enough to remember when people said that about Barack Obama too on your, in your party, well, and, and then, Well, different people remember. Uh, the Democrats, and you did see uh, under Clinton, uh, the old statement, uh, signature and uh, uh, law of the land uh, from his, I think, chief of staff, pretty cool. Uh, that was viewed as, as fun and interesting when a Democratic president did and horrifying when Trump did. So there's a lot of silliness. There are legitimate powers a president has. 
those spelled out by the Constitution and the courts uh, and with limits placed, uh, thankfully, by Congress. Uh, we have some, some things the president can do and something he can't. Uh, you're asking about, can the president unilaterally cut taxes? Uh, the answer is he can do some of that. One of the uh, ones that I was certainly supportive of, remains supportive of, uh, is uh, going forward and indexing the cost basis for capital gains. So you no longer pay uh, capital gains taxes on inflation. If you bought a house and you sold it later, the, the real value increase, you'd pay capital gains on, but not the inflated gain or stocks. 40% of what you pay capital gains on when you sell stocks is actually inflation over time. Uh, and the Supreme Court ruled uh, in a ruling the Democrats generally like uh, that uh, independent agencies and the IRS, specifically in this case, the IRS, uh, can uh, use the word to mean what it says if there are multiple meanings. And cost, as the Supreme Court said, pre-Trump Supreme Court 2002, um, uh, 2012 rather, 2012, when they, when they had that um, decision, they said that cost could be real, real cost, what you paid for it, I'm sorry, historic cost, what you paid for it, or real cost, cost plus inflation. So the Supreme Court has made it clear that the IRS could say, when we mean taxing income, we mean real income, not inflated income. But, so but then that's couldn't, a, the, couldn't the Democratic president do the exact same thing with and raise taxes? Sure, they could. What about entitlements? Look, there are powers the president has or doesn't have, and, and only silly people get mad at one party or the other for using that power. You can argue bad policy, or you can argue you shouldn't have that power, in which case you go to the courts uh, and speak to it, or you get Congress to react to it. Over time, if a president overstates his power, um, you get things like the War Powers Act, uh, and Congress will pull those back, or that, you know, if it's beyond something in the Constitution, you want that uh, taken care of. But the president's not been terribly aggressive on executive orders in that zone compared to his predecessors. Just the left doesn't like it. Well, what about entitlements? When, when George W. Bush was reelected, the first thing out of the gate that he wanted to do was give people an opportunity to invest some of their social security um, in, in the markets. Uh, that that didn't get very far. It, it, what I mean, the fact is, entitlements are a long-term problem for this country. Paying for them, would you? What would you like to see? What do you think is doable these days, and what do you think you'd like to see Trump do? Well, it's quite correct that the growth in spending is driven by entitlements. It's not driven by the defense budget, which is less than it was uh, when we won the Cold War, six percent down to about four percent. Um, that's not changing. If anything, it's going to be roughly the same or even go down a bit under either president as a percentage of the economy. Uh, but half of the federal budget is entitlements. Uh, and uh, what you're looking at is you can reform the entitlements so that over time they cost less. This is what Bill Clinton did when he block granted aid to families with dependent children, classic welfare, out to the 50 states and the states were able to handle it much better than Washington did. They reduced the total cost. Uh, they actually got aid to people who needed it. Uh, all of the left-wing uh, fantasies about people starving in the streets were nonsense. We actually got the aid to people who needed it and didn't waste money, and states were able to bring that down. The solution to uh, the entitlement problem 
is to take the means-tested entitlements, not Social Security, which you pay into, not Medicare, which taxpayers pay into, but all of the others from food stamps to Medicaid and so on, and block grant them to the states. Let the 50 states look at them, figure out how they want to handle this. They made significant savings when we did this with aid to families with dependent children. Uh, it was one of the few successes of the Clinton administration uh, was uh, welfare reform. And uh, he said he was going to do it. Of course, he had got he vetoed when the Republicans passed it twice, but did sign it at the end of the day. Uh, and it worked out well. We should do that with uh, the various welfare programs, means-tested programs, not to cut them, but just to have them grow no faster than the incomes of taxpayers. And if you do that, you actually save trillions and trillions of dollars going out. And it's the beginning of a reform that I think you'd see uh, a lot of the states would have a much better uh, handle on their incomes. And uh, the Trump administration was in favor of doing that. And then they didn't have enough votes to uh, be certain that they had uh, a, a majority to do it because McCain's vote was uncertain. Uh, so it's unfortunate that they weren't able to do it in the first term, but hopefully could in a second put a limit on the total spending on the welfare programs, but then give the states the flexibility so that you could more efficiently and effectively target those people in need and who can get off welfare uh, and get jobs. The key thing is jobs, and that's what the president was delivering on and is once again doing so. The underlying policies of lower taxes, less regulation, are actually quite helpful. Uh, but the new regulatory explosion that Biden's looking at, banning independent contractors, making it a crime to work as Uber drivers or Lyft drivers do today, not having a boss, or people who write for several newspapers or magazines, or work for several movie studios in California. They want you to have one boss so that you can be unionized. Getting, and the president, watched the president just the other night, focus on school choice getting to every American parent the ability to go to the school of their choice. We've damaged a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of families by not letting people have school choice. I live in Washington, D.C. The Republicans forced through um, uh, against what the, uh, uh, our, our friends, uh, the Clinton people wanted was uh, some school choice vouchers for, for, for kids to go to school, low-income kids, three, 4,000 kids. Uh, unfortunately, when Obama came in, he tried to kill that to take away that choice from those parents. Those parents rose up and we kept that program. It's why the Democrats lost the governorship in Florida. Their Democratic candidate said he would ban school choice programs. And the Republican, right-wing Republican, uh, was the guy who said, no, I'm gonna protect it. And you saw specific voting groups and neighborhoods voting, not the way they used to, but voting for their kids' futures. I think the Democrats will lose this election because they will cut your life savings in half by their taxes and regulations, making your 401k or IRA worth less. And I think they'll lose uh, because they're gonna go to poor parents and say, you will have no choice. All the rich kids, uh, senators and congressmen and presidents, they have choice, you won't have choice. And I think the party that says they're against school choice is going to lose. And the party that supports school choice will get mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts uh, to, to vote for them because you're, they're voting for their future. That's the real vote for the future. The civil rights issue of this decade and the next three decades is getting parents the right to educate their kids and not to have them locked up in inner city schools that are run not for the kids, not for the parents, 
but for the teachers unions. So, so Grover, we just have a few minutes left. I, what, yeah. I mean, you've been to a lot of these conventions. What do you think? Not this one. The, not this one, I know. Um, but so what do you think that the Trump team needs to do between now and Thursday to seal the deal, in, in especially in the states that they are going? I mean, he basically drew an inside straight in 2016 when it came to the Electoral College. What does he need? What do they need to accomplish with this convention and beyond that, maybe with the debates? Sure, I think is to lay out the issues that I talked about. Your life savings is at stake. Your income is at stake. Your job is at stake. All of these things will be impacted by the taxes and regulations that Biden threatens to put on. And those are the ones he'll tell you about, never mind the ones he hasn't told you about. Uh, I think you go to all the uh, small businesses in the world and say they're going to get rid of the right to work. They're going to get rid of independent contractor laws. That's 13 million Americans, every Uber driver, every Lyft driver, and tell them we're going to take away your flexibility, the way you earn your livelihood. The Democrats want to take that away from you, and Trump and the Republicans will protect it. You go to Minnesota, where mining is important. The Democrats are trying to kill mining. That will cost them Minnesota, close enough already, but their efforts to make, make it impossible for once Democratic miners to keep their jobs or expand them uh, is something that's very, very expensive for uh, people who are trying to work for a living. And the Democrats are just committed to killing those jobs. So, and then the last one is school choice, charter schools, homeschooling, all threatened by the Democrats in, out loud and in private and the teachers unions, which serve not teachers, not parents, not students, but their own union dues collecting leadership. Uh, that's a very clear contrast. You want your life savings to go up as they have or go back to where they were under Biden and Obama? Do you want to have the ability to be an independent contractor, the flexibility to work that way? Uh, and if not, um, you know, what about the idea of right to work? Do you want to be forced to uh, pay uh, union dues and forced to join a union whether you want to or not? And do you want your children to have a future, the choice of a future? Uh, there's a very you know, big fight going on now to protect uh, Pebble Mine, which is a, almost a trillion dollar mine, half a trillion to a trillion dollar mine with minerals that we now buy from China. Uh, and there's an effort by uh, some to try and slow that down. The president's Grover. EPA has pointed out that it's safe. Well, Grover, I, I'm afraid we're out of time and um, it's been great to have you here. I hope you'll come back soon because we always have a lot to talk about. So again, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. Karen, wonderful to see you. Are you allowed to tell them where we met? Uh, I guess so. We went to grad school together. Yeah, absolutely. And I can, I can nice vouch for the fact that you were just as passionate back then as you are now. Uh, I've always been dead center of the reasonable people. Right. Anyway, thank you very much for being with us. Take care, Karen. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.